Where did we end up last time? I can't remember. I had Jim. We were leaving the dwarfs. Uh, they were going to send an envoy with us uh, to the local town to start the negotiations. And Enigma had screwed the pooch quite significantly with some heinous lies that are no doubt <laughs> going to cause some kind Jim! of war. I don't remember. Yes, so <laughs> quite correctly, you had visited the dwarves, specifically their local leader in... Anike, their Zormash, Uzmok. She had assumed that Enigma was the leader of your group as the female member, and the rest of you were some kind of weird pets she kept on for some reason. Enigma had very successfully negotiated a prospective trade deal. And so, for your journey back from the kingdom of Batmazgarod, you have a small group of dwarves with you. female dwarfs they're all female because they've got a job to do okay right so are the male dwarfs literally just drones doing mining it's all they're good for no they're not doing mining some of them get like minor animal husbandry type tasks they're more used around the home they're often uh raising the family and stuff but they're also treated as being very trivial kind of inclined to just uh not take things seriously and generally be a bunch of idiots. In fairness, they have a pretty good life. Um, you know, these guys have very little work to do. <laughs> they dig around, they hang out together. <laughs> I mean, I can see why they they watched what we were doing and then naturally assumed our society was the same as theirs. In fairness, there's not been a confusion here. They think the, the nail on the head... They've certainly got a pretty good idea of you guys. I'm definitely the organised one. We should hunch down. The three guys should hunch down and look like dwarves out of respect. <laughs> well, the other thing that's become clear is that the number of plaits on a dwarf's beard is the best way of guessing their gender. Because three, four, it tends two for a guy. Uh, it tends to be even and odd numbers, but basically similar, yeah. So you have with you, as you leave Batmasgarod, which you do without running into further trouble... You have with you Grumbaz Rambul, <laughs> who you met in the first place. You have another dwarven ranger by the name of Orokuz, who appears to be some kind of trade negotiator. And you have a hallow priest by the name of Zuromak with you. I'm remembering every single one of these. Uh, it's okay. I, I don't know how much of a big deal it'll be, whether or not you do. As long as you remember Grumbaz Rambul, you find yourselves returning to the light and the ziggurat, where you fought the ancient creature of doom and destruction. And I would say it has been three weeks since you left Farmouth by the time you leave. Right, let me just write <laughs> death counter down somewhere. <laughs> death clock, where's word? <laughs> this will be on my desktop, because that's where I save stuff. I'm not putting it in folders. Yeah, who does that? Why would you? Death clock. Got to make sure I spell clock correctly. So three weeks down. 
there's probably a couple of days when uh, we came back from saving my life and you know we hadn't quite set off yet there was a bit planning time there was a couple of days when you're having fucking breakfast yeah. five, let's happening. call it four weeks let's be on, <laughs> let's five, five weeks caution. all right all right it's been a year <laughs> right death clock one two three four how long did you actually have? Was it a, a year and a day? Wasn't it? A year and a day. A year and a day. Yeah. So we've got one day wiggle room, basically. Just like Wizbit. <laughs> and so you return to the forest and it's kind of raining as you come out. And Grumbaz seems a bit surprised that what their records record as a thriving town is now a forest with a long abandoned ziggurat in it. But you are able to follow the road and track through the forest reasonably safely. Your journey takes you from the round valley opposite Lanisera Thread. You're able to track through the forest following the river most of the way down to Ghoulcrest. From Ghoulcrest, you have a track that gradually becomes a road, taking you down towards the capital city of Vale. As you make this journey, uh, the dwarves are very unimpressed with the whole concept of rain, which they haven't had to deal with. And it really does piss down pretty much the whole journey. I mean, you're travelling through a forest in winter. It's not going to be the best of weather. It takes you a few days of fairly slow travel through the forest. But then after that, you're on roads and tracks and it only takes you a couple of days to get down towards Vale. Um, now, who's been to Vale before? Enigma, Tristan, I would guess Percy, maybe not Banbury? Definitely yes. not. Okay, Tristan, I think you have a move for this, don't you? Uh, yes. I might not. Okay. Hack and slash. When you're attacking it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good guess. Ah, here we go. Ah. It is called a port in a storm, maybe. Quince to return to a civilized settlement you that you visited before. Tell the GM when you were last here, and they'll tell you how it's changed since then. Tell me yesterday. Um, I came here 40 years yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was probably, hold on, how close to the main city are we? How the, well, how, you're coming um, up to the main farmer? city now. I so mean, farmer. you came. Farmouth is roughly down in the southeast. It seems to be like a main road that connects Farmouth yeah. and, and Vale. So. Yeah, the Great North Road links Farmouth and Vale, and it continues up towards uh, Parieso, where your ultimate destination is. And how many how many days on foot would that be? It took you about a week to Lena's Vale, so it'd be about nine or ten days to Vale. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I'd been out from the main city. I kind of did like a, a walkabout. So I just took my guitar, some supplies, and I walked to Falmouth. And then I stayed there for like four or five months. So I've, yeah. been, I've been gone about six months. I've, I've found the adventure yeah. I needed, and it's, it's brought me back home. It's bring, bringing you back to the big city. Yeah. Well, what you notice is that long before you reach Vale, you can see it's grown. A little like the canvas streets of Farmouth, but on a great, much greater scale, there appears to be a city of tents along the road and spreading to either side. Everyone has tents. 
towards the starting point where it's more like quite intensive tents on each side. There are some priests and members of the town watch who are directing people away from the road and trying to keep the road and a stretch each side of it clear. But yes, there are a lot of people here who appear to be probably refugees. And the road as you approach there has also been very busy with groups of people travelling northward with like ox carts and things. Then the carts are all covered with whatever they can to try and keep the water out because it's still mostly raining. Once you hit the main road, you see occasional riders passing north and south on the road at speed wearing the colours of the King's Guard or the Church Knights or the Caris Army, probably carrying news one way or the other. So, yes, it seems to have changed in that it's acquired a significant refugee population. And as you start moving up the road towards the town, you can see a maze of canvas and improvised structures, much of it dripping in the constant rain, while the pathways between are rapidly becoming deep mud. The cold air is full of the hubbub of conversation and the smoke of whatever fires people can persuade to stay lit. There are a few enterprising people moving among the tents with barrows of firewood or food to sell, and along the road frontage there are food sellers under covered awnings. So, yeah, there, there's a lot different. Wow. War has come to Karis. It really has. Yeah, and some of that food smells pretty good. Are there any sausages? <laughs> You can see an awning with some kind of grill under it and a big sausage symbol hanging from the uh, awning. Sausages, lads? It, it looks kind of familiar, if we're honest. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be rude not to. <laughs> Hold on, this, this could be bad news. If this is who we think it is, <laughs> that he's now here. That's probably franchise. Uh, yeah, let's go and check that Falmouth's okay. Um, as we're going along the road, you, you said that there's church knights and other sort of yeah. messengers going back and forth. Can we yeah. stop one of them? Yes, certainly. Um, you there, sir. What news for the front? The knight uh, pulls up and he kind of glances down at you and sees that you're wearing your uh, full paladin's armour and salutes smartly and says, How can I help you, sir? Uh, we're interested in any news that you may be bringing from the front. It's pretty bad down there, sir. The army are fighting a bit of a rearguard action against the Ice Watchers, who seem to be pushing forward, but it's real cold down there, you know? Yes. It's like the snow and ice have caused almost as much trouble as fighting the enemy. And sometimes, even when you're set back, they'll just send some kind of huge creature made of ice forward. I've seen one of those go through half a battalion. Uh, yes, I, I can only imagine. Um, who is it that you're reporting to in Vale? I'm reporting to uh, the master enchanter smith in Meropi's temple. You know, the uh, the Iron Church there. If you head in there, sir, I'm sure she'll be happy to see you. Very well. Thank you very much. Uh, one last question, sir. Yes? Oh, aren't you the bard, Tristan Wilde? Yes, but no time for that now. Big fan of your work. Big fan of your work. My thanks. Uh, big, big fan of yours. Um, how fares Falmouth? <laughs> they haven't reached Falmouth yet, but... As you can see, a lot of people are trying to get out the way before they do. Certainly. I think a lot of people will probably try and escape by sea as well, if they do look like threatening the town, but they may be pushing north trying to get here. We just don't know what they're planning. What do you think of their chances of making it this far? They've got a lot of people, and they've got that weird magic. I Maybe the weather here is a bit warm for them. Even a few leagues south of here, you'd find it was snowing where this rain is. That seems to help them, and it certainly doesn't help us. Yes, quite. Well, thank you for that. He, he produces a sodden <laughs> piece of vellum. He's like, sir, could, could you sign this? It's for my little girl. Oh, it would be uh, my pleasure. 
Justin, Justin, don't don't do that. You'll just sell it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm afraid that uh, we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to do that that this time. Um, very very good, sir. All right, fine. Uh, what what is your daughter's name, good sir? <laughs> sir Alexis. Ah, it's a funny name. <laughs> a beautiful name. I shall write her in a song for you. Thank thank you very much, Mister Wild. That that would be amazing. Anyway, I've got to report. I, I wouldn't want to keep her waiting. Uh, pleasure to see you, sir. And they just wheel their horse and turn away and ride um, away. So the, before we continue into Vale, yeah. um, naturally we, we've attempted to send messages back indicating that yeah. uh, we've gone through uh, through the mountains and across the desert. So um, and I'm going to say this away from the, the dwarfy types. Uh, we don't particularly want to leave a paper trail uh, of where we go. I mean, it's, it's inevitable that people are going to perhaps interact with us and maybe recognise, but if there's, let's say, a, an important messenger that's carrying useful information that we might imagine would get captured, then perhaps let's not go signing I was here. Should we, uh, <laughs> should we put some curtains back on Tristan yeah. so no one recognises him? That, yeah, that, that might be an idea. No, they know. They know that's my signature outfit <laughs> now. True. I can never wear curtains if I'm trying to be incognito <laughs> so i'm gonna pull up my big fur lined hood mm. which for some reason i haven't had up this time <laughs> in the rain and uh, i'm gonna smush my hair around <laughs> just cover yourself in mud caked mud yeah <laughs> doesn't need much smushing to be honest it's very wet it's been like all all the mus- wax has been washed out of your mustache everything's oh, dripping it, it's it's been a miserable journey to be honest well if we ever meet anyone else i shall talk in one of our famously racist uh, accents <laughs> 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 i'm, I'm not sure of that sir don't even know where that was ben so my my armor how distinct is it? Do, it does it sort of convey a certain rank or would it just blend into it doesn't like say pc <laughs> left for the win or anything on it it's like quality Paladin's plate armor. You're clearly a church knight, but it doesn't but identify uniquely as you. You could be any church knight, okay. and there are quite a few around. That's you know, the okay. different orders seem to be represented in people riding back and forth, and uh, you might expect to see more of them in the city. Sure. Realistically, the problem yeah. here isn't the very famous Tristan Wilde or the Paladin Percival Clift. I don't know how many Paladins there are. The problem is we've got Princess Enigma here. You know? <laughs> Enigma. So well, clearly, as she that. walks into Vale, everyone's going to bow and scrape and be like, "Oh my God, the princess is here!" Grumbaz goes, "Of course, that makes perfect sense." So what we're going to have to do, dwarfs, uh, are we're going to have to hide the fact Enigma is a princess um, by <laughs> putting <laughs> this rag over her face. God, I here you go, Enigma. <laughs> just. Putting a dirty rag over your face. Just hold that up. And, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, there we go. Perfect. It's not becoming of my princessly status. Well, we could go for some other form of disguise if you want. <laughs> what, what do you want to do? You could shave off your hair, maybe. Could go bald. But but it's taken me a long time to grow these. <laughs> I've got some other dirty rags for other people to wear uh, around their faces if they want. Now, technically, these are my underwear, oh! as is the one that Enigma's holding. But it's it's good as a bandana. Just like hold up the white fronts in front of your face. Don't breathe too deeply. You're good. I'm going to pass a pair to Tristan. I don't need it. Though I appreciate the gesture, my hood covers my face 
excellently and my racist accents will make sure nobody knows who I am. <laughs> I'm going to make get my dreads and then kind of put them round the front of my face and then kind of tie them so they're like a beard. Tie them with the pants, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you do that... Grumbaz Ramble gives you a slow nod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she thinks she's finally starting to look a bit respectable. With her hair wrapped in dirty pants. I've thrown away the dirty <laughs> pants. They're not becoming I need them. of a queen. <laughs> I was going to say, Banbury needs them. If you give Banbury's pants time, they'll become something. Are we just standing outside Rob Sausage's shop, <laughs> passing pants back and forth? I think you're just currently talking outside Rob Sausage's shop. Is he just watching us with that? Oh, God. He's he's serving serving other people, actually. Oh, thank goodness. Is it the Rob Sausage? It's just a Rob Sausage. (laughs) (laughs) When you look under that awning, there is someone who certainly looks a lot like Rob Sausage. And when you're looking in, he goes, Eh, isn't that the girl with the murdery court? He remembers us. This old stab coat and crew. Um, I'll just stand forward and say, no. (laughs) (laughs) He says, oh, that's funny. Looks just like her. And he like goes up and looks at her coat. He's like, yeah, it's got, it's got that big stab mark in the back and those nice pockets. And then he steps back. He goes, could I serve you any sausages? Uh, Stab marks are very in this season. You'll find them everywhere. (laughs) Yes, I'll take a line. He says, all stab marks are very much for the rich. See, whereas poor people, from what I've heard, he gives you a big wink, they like to wear curtains. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. He's throwing back to previous encounters. (laughs) He's getting a slow nod. Well played, sausage. Well played. Now tell us of your wares. All of us give him a slow (laughs) nod. Throw a silver on the table in front of him. He's like, well... I've got various kinds of worst here. I've got the classic Alberadan pickled sausage, and I've even got some fresh wild boar and apple ones. Those are delicious. Highly recommended. We'll take three of those. No, I don't want to be boar. The other one for Enigma. I was going to give it to Banbury, but now you get the gross-sounding pickle. I want the pickle one. <laughs> no offence, I don't want to be boar. I've been friends with a boar. Oh, Yeah. Wait, we don't know that. What do you mean? Uh, I'm just going to sort of uh, indicate with Nygma sort of quietly. These these dwarves that we've brought along with us, what exactly are they trading for? I mean, have you brought them to see Rob Sausage? Um, I don't... Are we going to get an army for, you know, trading sausages? Well, we could try. I mean, he does do particularly good sausages. I, I suppose he does. Sausages all round! Let's sample those wares. I think I'm going to lean into their huddle and say... Guys, we don't have much else to offer aside from sausages, so let's go with the sausage um, She's not uh, actually Rob. the princess. Shut up! Rob, um, how would you like to find your way into a brand new untapped sausage market? <laughs> I'm all ears. Because we can offer you... I have always wanted that. ...an opportunity that I don't think you can refuse. <laughs> so, tell me about this deal you've got on the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no. when, when we say deal, uh, then obviously it's it's don't think of it as a deal. Think of it more as as an opportunity and of uh, a way of serving your nation by providing another nation with sausage. Ooh, I, now this sounds very interesting. <laughs> yes, I mean you you could go from Rob Sausage Incorporated to to some kind of global megacorp. 
Raw sausage global. <laughs> Raw sausage, yeah, global incorporated. Raw sausage feeding the world across the game. Oh, we could become Sausage Corp. Have a massive tower with magically animated sausages <laughs> on the sausage. side. Could, yes, let me well, let me introduce you to Grumbaz Ramble. <laughs> Do we just run when he introduces him? <laughs> he said, "Oh, a pleasure to meet you," and and then he does like a very formal bow and Rambaz looks at you a bit quizzically and goes, who's uh, this? This is, uh, this is Rob's sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea we're just laughing in their faces now. We're like, oh, this is going to be good. You've just been hawked. May I introduce you to Rob's sausage? Rambaz goes, is this a noted trader then of your people? Oh, Yes, the finest trader of all sausages ever. That's where the word sausage comes from. <laughs> he goes, oh, I, Rob Sausage, inventor of the sausage. <laughs> I certainly don't come from a long line of sausage makers, that's for certain. Uh, Rambo says, oh, that's very interesting. And what exactly is this Taste sausage? It. Rob's like, prepare to be astounded. <laughs> Get this in you. <laughs> Taste my sausage. <laughs> And that is how Rumbaz Grand Bull got to meet Rob Sausage. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> End, End of, of series. That's the highlight. We're done. Your one, your one job successfully achieved. Ever on mark experience. Podcast finished. <laughs> and actually, Rumbaz and Rob Sausage do seem to get along pretty well. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he knows a lot of the other people that are part of this kind of refugee community but quite a lot of them were traders and merchants which is why they had the wherewithal to get up and change country and had places to stay and were safe to relocate so he's quickly working towards putting together a group of merchants who would be interested in potential trade with bat mascarod yes. <laughs> so grumbaz yes. is certainly impressed with your first introduction oh First and only, we should have added it. <laughs> don't, don't get too keen to meet anyone else. We're That's done. kind of the extent of our contacts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very lucky for you that Rob Sausage has such a good trade network then. Oh, we know. And good sausages. Can I just and double good check? sausages. The, the, basically, we were opening up trade deals in an effort for them to help us in the war down south. Yes. Okay, grand. So how is she reacting to seeing all these refugees? Is she taking in the severity of the situation? Well, you've got to bear in mind that they have had very few dealings with the Western Kingdoms at all. And unless you've told them, they probably think that a lot of people live in tents for some reason. And okay. don't even, because like overgrounders are kind of weird. And a lot of their interactions with you have been a bit confusing because they don't they don't necessarily understand a lot of cultural things and obviously you don't understand a lot of cultural things of theirs either so a lot of their references and things just don't make sense at all and so they unless you've told them that this is unusual they might assume it's normal and that yeah, seems I, to be what's happening yeah that's what i figured so i shall turn to her i shall turn to enigma and request attendance with the female leader of the dwarves you may speak. I shall <laughs> confirm that the the lady has yep. accepted my offer of wishing to speak. Yes, she she gives you a nod. 
I wish I thought of what I was going to say now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Use your charisma. Oh, yes, that's it. I'm going to pull a charisma move. Okay, okay, so what have you got that she wants? Are you going to kiss her? Well, that's one thing I've got. What do you mean, what have I got that she wants? So what What do you want to happen here? What are you trying to achieve? Well, I'm thinking of trying to actually move her with my speech about the plight of the people and right, what she's yes. seeing around her. And as, as we're talking, three young orphaned children run by and I flip them a, a coin and they run under the horse's legs in the she's mud. She's pushes them in the mud. And <laughs> trampled to no, death. No, no, because my horse is very well behaved. And they, they, they don't scrabble in the, the mud because that wasn't my intention. I wasn't trying to show my wealth. I was trying to do a good deed for these children. So they, yeah. they, they grab it like, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. My parents, they are missing. And now I can finally eat. And I kind of go, eh? Eh? <laughs> see what I'm talking about? And, and she feels herself becoming moved. And I'm like, this is, this is not normal, my lady. Again, I don't know how to refer to you. I apologize. This is this is the effect of the war we're facing and the war we're fighting. This is this is, these people are in desperate need of help, and we've given you the finest sausage contact in all of Caris. We <laughs> we implore you to see our pain. Nobody knows my pain, but perhaps you can taste just a little bit of it. And I kiss her. No, I don't. <laughs> yes, that, that that would have required a lot of charisma to carry I've on. I've got a lot of charisma, but. Knowing me, I roll well. <laughs> One of the things that you have established is that dwarves are interested in luxury goods from overground that they couldn't get underground. So delicious food is a particularly good option. Uh, like bratwurst. Soft furnishings. And soft furnishings. That's the kind of thing you just can't find. I should have yeah. worn my curtains. I might bring out my curtain clothes from my bag and offer them as a gift. So your dwarf delegation are certainly uh, impressed with your initial impression you've made. Yeah, but are they noticing the war that I'm describing? I'm, I'm trying to get them to see. They follow what you're saying, but they don't seem moved by it. If anything, they're maybe a little more interested in the kind of mercantile opportunities than they are in the pathos and uh, difficulty of the situation of the people around them. Brilliant. Well, they're going to help us either way, so that makes it even easier, I guess. Have they? They've definitely agreed that if they get trade deal, we'll get men and women to fight. What they've said is that they would assist however they could as a follow-up. That was the outcome of the uh, deal that they made with Enigma. So they might assist by setting up sausage stalls. You need to get dealing, Enigma. You need to confirm what the um, arrangements of this deal are. They said they'd help in any way, and if we need to set up a sausage stall, we need to set up a sausage stall. (laughs) Should we not be introducing these guys to the actual people who are in charge so that any actual alliance might happen and help the war no because we've told them enigma's in charge if they if we go back on that now we're both unless we sneak in and tell the people in charge play along with this charade we might get the help of the dwarves actually let's just do that i'm gonna gallop ahead and do that percy we've got one of their priests with us could you not just introduce him to some of your church mates and they can you know hammer home how important it is that one religion doesn't dominate and destroy all the other religions. We've just been told they don't care about shit like that. They just want... Well, no, that, no, that was... Uh... Listen, Ben, I'm making wild assumptions about one thing that's just happened. Okay, <laughs> that's that's fine. Uh, we'll just flip yeah, off we'll... The, the priest. 
and, and remember that their pre their priests also have a very different outlook. They're they're all about releasing. They're all about keeping dragons asleep. Yeah. Well, why don't we do both? Yes, that that, that seems quite viable. Take Enigma with the leader and Percy with the priest. So Percy and Bambri mm-hmm. go off that way. I'll go and talk to the leader so that he acts with Enigma, and then talks war. And then these two can talk priests and let's double Hawkem. Double Hawkem. An old-fashioned double hawk. So are we going to see like? The mayor. The leader. You're going to go and see your family, the royal family, Princess Zombie Enigma. The royal family. Uh, yeah. We're, at, we're going to drop in on the king. Yeah. Yeah. My dad. Hold on. Hold on. Or husband. The king doesn't Was live here, does he? queen or princess? Yes, he, he lives in Vale. So yeah. this is the city you're coming to, yes. The palace district is on the north side of Vale. You're coming in through the south side. Do I have to sneak in? And convince the king to pretend this stranger is his daughter. In order I think to it'll get... make more sense. It'll make more sense if we find the person in charge of like the city. Because if we go to the king, the king's got other shit to do. Let's go. Let's find the armies. Guys, this is this is really confirming my theories about Enigma. Her, <laughs> her re- resistance to go and see dad. You'll also know there is a mercantile district called uh, Cold Market which is the northwest district which is the home of most of the merchant houses and many of the national merchant houses mm. and international ones are based there. So that might be a good area to uh, nah, talk we to we don't people. need those bitches. We've got Rob Sausage. That bit's fine. If we go there and then you guys talk tactics and war with the priests I'm going to hope that the priests have military control like they do in this, this society. So we'll go and build up um, big contracts and you guys get the army. That works. And it means Enigma doesn't have to go and say hello to her family. Although that's quite rude, Enigma. What? Yeah, that well, Enigma. I introduced you to my mum. Why aren't I getting to meet your mum? Yeah? Yeah. It's like you, it's like you don't want your friends to meet your parents. In her yes. defence, I can sort of understand why you wouldn't go, Bambri. Wait, what? You're not very respectable. Ooh. Let's let's give each other like a little mini high five, Enigma, and just yeah. walk off. Just walk off. <laughs> walk off to the DFS sale because they love soft yeah. <laughs> So you're going to go off into town and separate? Yes. Yes. Um, Old school party. Split. I guess so. Yeah. Where are you going to meet up afterwards? It doesn't. We'll if it's meant to we'll be, know. they'll find us. <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, I'll put the hawk symbol in the sky. You just come towards that. <laughs> we'll meet at the Iron Church afterwards. All that. Aww. Okay, that's a that's great the, idea. That's the worst bar in town. <laughs> Let's go to the Randy Mule. Is the Randy Mule your favourite uh, favourite tavern in the town? I'm not going to take these chumps to my favourite tavern. I was going to do something middle of the road. Okay, so somewhere a bit somewhere a bit generic, somewhere yeah. a bit uh Weatherspoons. Also I haven't <coughs> played there much, so I'm not gonna be as well noticed, so it's gonna be a bit low key. Okay, that that's a good idea. Let's start with Enigma and Tristan. So, are you heading up for the trading district or are you heading up to Palace District to try and talk to someone in charge of trade? trade. The merchant houses would make more sense. Yeah, you wanted the merchant houses. Okay, cool. Are there any merchant houses that you think would be particularly good for this? Well, they like the finer things, so let's go to one of the more luxurious traders. Yes. Who, who's the most luxurious? Who's the most high-end, would uh, you say? Enigma, do you have a preference? It's that guy who sells those things that posh people get carried around in. Oh, yes. That's, wait, that's pretty OTT. Yes, it is. But that's a bold move. Go straight in. 
Are they palaquins? Is that what palaquins. I'm thinking? Palaquins. Yeah, yeah. The Harlequin palaquins. You know that shop. Oh, yeah. Palaquin Palace. Yeah, Palaquin Palace. No, no. Harlequin Palaquins is next to Palaquin Palace. There's a whole district for them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We had that big Yeah, field, I don't know which they? one's yeah, yeah, the yeah, most... Yeah, yeah. That was brutal. They were like riding flaming palaquins at each other. <laughs> the that was terrible. That was joust. like three years. You couldn't walk Palaquin the street. jousting. It was disgusting. Yeah, that was horrible. It, a whole world of palaquin pain. Anyone who got in one risked at any point being dropped because the footmen were just going to kick <laughs> off at each other. Yeah. It, it was, was a just, disaster. That was three dark Man. years. <laughs> and finally they all kind of decided to be like more of a conglomerate work as a team. Harlequin Palaquin Palace. What did you decide on first? The, the Palaquin, <laughs> Harlequin Palaquin Palace. Palace. Good. Harlequin Palaquin Palace. Yes. Do you not know it from like the yeah. slogans? Okay. Harlequin Palaquin Palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the place for you. Doopy doopy doo. Hi. I'm Ed from Palaquin's Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even say it. I'm out. My, that's the advert. Okay. All brand new with, with a selection of pre-used so, footmen. Hey, are you sick of walking? Me too. That's why I opened Harlequin Palaquin Palace. So you approach Harlequin Palaquin Palace. <laughs> it's a pretty ornate building. And everyone's happy now. Everyone's smiling Palaquin, in the streets. Palaquin Palace. <laughs> As you get closer, you do see more palanquins going around the place because obviously you're in that district now. There's a lot of money here. There's some fairly well-off people. It's hard to park. Uh, it's very hard to park. A lot of the palanquins also, you've had to cross the bridge to get here. A lot of the palanquins don't go south of the river, especially not this time of night. Are they looking down on us because we've got... Ugh horses yeah horse, horses are a bit for cheapskates but at yeah. the same time as you approach the front of harlequin palanquin palace you see ed harlequin himself <laughs> come out <laughs> and he's like what? you look like people who really need some palanquins yeah are you, aren't you tired of the hard work of horses <laughs> Those horses are a literal pain in the ass. Imagine if you had a seat. You could just sit on your seat and be carried through the streets. Seats in the streets. That's what we say here at Pelican <laughs> Pelican Palace. Wow, I'm going to turn to the dwarf. Well, I'm certainly impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we? And I shall gesture. I want the red one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they have, like, a selection of colours. I'm a little worried that you guys are just going to go shopping for palanquins <laughs> and do nothing yeah, to yes. do with trade now. You're like, oh, yeah. I like this one. It's got, like... How much gold do we have? I've got quite a lot. Can we get, like... What is the average price of a what? A second-hand one, which is just, you know, slightly dodgy less. Well, well, not so fast, Enigma. What's the price of that ornate gold one over there, please? He says, oh, now this one, sir could be yours for as little as 10,000 gold. Oh, what? <laughs> That's a, wow, that is a lot. Do you do finance? <laughs> uh, we certainly do, exactly. yes. We, we have the very finest of ants. We will offer you an extraordinary deal that works out as only 27% more expensive over the life of the sale. Ooh, bargain. That's... That's a good offer. You can pay as little as 8,000 gold <laughs> up front. And by the end of three years, you'll have paid us a second 8,000 gold. I feel like we've kind of misjudged this location. It is quite shiny, though. <laughs> I, anyway. Yeah, let's just see what the dwarves make of this. Grumbaz turns to you, Enigma, and says, 
well, do they do bulk construction? We'd need to uh, import a significant number. So uh, what are their, what's their logistics like? Ah. How, how quickly can they turn around a large order? Ed Harlequin, let me introduce you to Grumbaz Rumble. Uh, she is the <laughs> head of the dwarves and also Oracus, <laughs> who's the trade negotiator. They're interested in placing a very large order for their entire nation. So... Um, May I introduce you? He looks a little overawed for a moment and he bows very obsequiously and he says, How tremendously exciting. Now, you, of course, must need palanquins more than anyone as it would save on your little legs. And the dwarves kind of furrow their brows at him. Uh, I'm going to stand behind the dwarf doing that. Uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, 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 not the legs. Carry on, not the legs. You're a salesman, Ed. Sell. He says, no, we, we really specialise in the boutique, so our production limits at no more than 20 palanquins a year. But perhaps you want to, uh, if you were to travel a few streets over to the right, about three blocks down, you might see Kiaya. They do self-construction palanquins. It's not the same thing. Don't get me wrong. These are not the same things, but they'll do you a bulk deal, all the palanquins you can buy, and it'll be quick and cheap, and then you can come to me for the exclusive ones for the specialists like you. And he does a little wink. What a guy. Oracus just says, four streets to the right, and just turns and walks out. Wicked. Let's do the same. We don't say goodbye. Ed Harlequin, like, his smile is just fixed on his face, and he watches you go. Oh, I'm going to keep looking back. He's just missed out on a big sale. As you leave sight, you see him say something. It looks like assholes, <laughs> but you can't... <laughs> It depends how good your lip reading is. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that's what he said then. <laughs> pretty sure he said awesome. Awesome holes. Awesome holes. <laughs> Hawks holes. Orica's has taken the lead now and is stomping off through the streets. You come to Kiaya and it's like a huge warehouse full of palanquin parts. A fairly short lady in kind of overalls comes stomping over she's got a couple of spanners in her pocket and she's like yeah well how can i help you hello um uh, i would like to speak to um somebody who could deal in large orders please yeah all right what do you want how many you want um, orocus how many would you be wanting to order orocus says this looks more like someone we could deal with certainly and like goes up and uh, shakes the Akiya employee's hand in an obscure dwarven handshake, which they seem completely thrown by, but roughly manage to maintain and starts explaining a whole lot of numbers, figures and the possibility of rescaling them and also whether they could be redesigned to fit lizard creatures. Lizard and the employee's like, uh... What, so they're carrying them instead of footmen? Oh, brutal. And Oracus is like, yes. And then the employee's like, yeah, I think we could do that. Now, what we'd need is, and they start having a very detailed conversation about palanquin designs. Excellent. I'm, I'm going to browse the scented canvas. <laughs> I'm going to offer Enigma, there is... Enigma my hand for a shaking <laughs> uh, to a job well done, I think. Excellent work. Yes, Enigma, you can get ridiculously large bags of <laughs> tiny scented candles. I might do that just to make my hovel nicer. Yeah, they're, they're quite bulky, but they're very cheap. It's unbelievable how really cheap is. they are. <laughs> the dwarves haven't forgotten our 
finder's fee, have they, of 1% for every sale. <laughs> I'm just going to make sure that, so I'm just talking to I'm Enigma. I'm fairly sure that the dwarves had a uh, fee of some kind arranged that related to military support, <laughs> oh. diplomatic relations. It involves saving the country. <laughs> well, let's just get a little bit of dollar out of this Enigma, because I want that gold palaquin. You've got a good point. That gold palaquin <laughs> is pretty well, that's amazing. more money than even I have right now. If we get it, can we get our yeah, time check? So if we start saving... How many seats was there? I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that what you've achieved there is like a trade deal between nations. You just seem to have taken them on a personal shopping experience <laughs> and like fitted, fitted well, them up with a few parts. That's what dwarves like, and now they know they help us, otherwise we sever this business tie. Do you really think here. they're going to go to war over these? Do you think they're going to be like, oh, do you know what? We're going to have hundreds of our people die, yes. so we've got the opportunity to buy shitty quiet, boxes. You. They're really good palanquins. You're not even there. Yeah, quiet, you. You guys have had to sit in silence for half an hour. <laughs> you know your place. While the trade delegation are uh, working, you're coming down to the Temple District, mm-hmm. which features the preceptory of Merope's Order, a little like the preceptory of Oconee down in Farmouth. This is the centre, but Merope being uh, the goddess of winter and steel. And Merope is all part of the same pantheon as Oconee. Yeah, it's one of the sisters. Yeah. And so her church is hexagonal like most uh, churches of the Seven, but it's all built from iron, a structure of girders and painted metal sheets. And inside, seven altars are built of metal patterned with enchantments that make the marks of the goddesses shine in the darkness or in times of prayer. The roof is ridged along each of the six goddess axes, leading to a sharp metal minaret at their peak, which kind of towers over the city. So it's like this rust iron tower that's visible from almost anywhere. And at the peak of it, there's like a minaret with... It's almost like one of those frame, globe, astrolabe type things. Big construction of steel, which has always been part of the temple. As you arrive at the temple, you can hear the sound of hammering. The inside is like a regular temple, but all around the outside, there are forges. And these are where the uh, smith enchanters of Merope do their work. And a lot of the priests are also makers of uh, either fine mundane or magical equipment. Also, there is the uh, preceptor of the order based here, which is who Sir Alexis was going to see. And this is... Preceptor Mero. Mero. Have we had Mero before? You plausibly have. It's not an uncommon name. It's also the name of the river through the city. Oh, okay. Which is probably where the name comes from. So uh, Mero Vale used to be the name of the city, but everyone just calls it Vale now because it's a city who uses a long name. And Preceptor Mero, she's relatively young, uh, but she's got very broad shoulders and big arms. She's clearly a working smith. And when you walk in, you can see her marks of insignia are actually like inscribed on a smith's apron. As you arrive, she's by the doorway. So what do you do? Um, so as we arrive, you said there was uh, sort of seven altars representing the different sisters. Yes. Uh, so I'll enter into the, the temple and briefly sort of pay my respects to um, each of the seven sisters, but in particular, um, my goddess, Coney. Yep. 
Um, All right. So, so as you approach the altar of Akoni, her symbol on the altar starts to glow, and in spite of the cold weather and the rain, that glow warms you. Bambury, you notice as Percy walks to walks away from that altar, you notice that steam's coming off his armor, that the water's kind of evaporating from it. Religion is weird. Right, fair enough. <laughs> it really is. Okay, um, and so Mero is talking to um, another... Yes, one of the other Smith priests. Smiths. Um, okay, well, we'll be relatively polite um, and wait patiently, I suppose, until they finish their conversation. If we can overhear any of that conversation, that would be, uh, be champion. Yes, uh, what she's discussing is the merits of quelling in oil rather than quelling in water. I'm not interested. And how... (laughs) (laughs) After a while, she notices you kind of hovering. Stood with her hands up. (laughs) (laughs) And she kind of turns around and then she sees Zuramak and almost does a little double take and she gives a little bow to the three of you and says hello how may i help you precept and mero i presume yes i am but you have the advantage of me sir who might you be <laughs> this is percival cleft <laughs> mighty hero oh wait are we are we, we, were in not, we were not going to say that but i guess we just did <laughs> this is some guy and a kid you said it, you said it. We're, we're all in. You said it. Let's go for it. She says, Percival Cleft. Ah, no, 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 no. This is very exciting. I don't suppose. And then she kind of looks round and then she kind of... Yep, yep, I'm Barbara Lutz. <laughs> yep, I know. Take it all in. Uh, Precept and Mero, may, may we speak somewhere um, privately, perhaps? She says, yes, yes, yes. I, I really... Would love to get a look at your sword as well. And <laughs> you know what she means, Percy. Oh, do, do you guys need a minute? Because, I mean, we've been walking for a long time. So if you guys want to go and do that, we'll just uh, go to the cafeteria or something. <laughs> she looks at Percy and says, um, is this one yours? Indicating Banbury. What, what's you? Oh, oh, Banbury. Um, I mean... Yes, Bamber, yes. <laughs> and she, he, he, he is with us, yes. She says, may I? <laughs> and then she just clips him round the ear. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait for her to have done it and then say no. <laughs> says, uh, yes, may, may we speak somewhere privately? Um, and it, Of course, it, of course. It, from the outset, I, from the outset I, I must make clear that um, our presence here we'd like to keep low-key. Um, and, and there's very good reasons for that, which we will explain. Right, right. Yes, of course. Uh, Preceptor Oreo did say that. <laughs> Preceptor Arroyo did say that you'd be, you might be visiting here. Though the last I heard, you were supposed to be going somewhere else. Anyway, that's not important. Do do come around, and she leads you round and. Around one side of the temple, you come to like a forge with a little iron door beside it. And she opens the door and there's a narrow hallway with like aprons hung along it and various sets of boots on the ground and the hammers lying along it. And then just through there is an extremely comfortable looking office. Not unlike or not unlike a royal's. <laughs> That's really hard to do now. <laughs> like, I just want to call him Oreo every time. 
yes, it, it's a very nice preceptor's office. There's various fairly ornate, like decorative ironwork on the walls and things. And on the desk, there are a couple of candles that over time you will notice don't actually burn down at all, but they're still mm. glowing brightly. And if you look closely, they're actually sculpted candles that just glow with uh, some kind of enchanter's fire. And she offers you comfortable seats and sits down herself and says, Now, how may I help you? And who, who is your guest as well? Ah, many, many thanks, Preceptor. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, let me introduce us all, first of all. Um, this is uh, Zuamek. Um, and is part of a delegation from the dwarves. Uh, but I, I, I will come on to that. So, um, during our journeys here, we've heard fairly dire news from the, the front, uh, and I'm sure that Master Oreo will have kept you abreast of developments in the, the army that is attempt, attempting to march on Farmouth. Yes, of course. Uh, so we have been attempting to strike alliances to assist in the, the defence of our lands. Um, and we have made our way through the, the lands of the elves and through the lands of the dwarves. Very interesting. And a small delegation has accompanied us here to Vale. Uh, now, obviously, Zumak is one of the more devout followers. Um, and so we naturally came here. But what we're particularly interested in, or what they are particularly interested in, is trade. And we are hoping that maybe we can furnish the dwarves with some of our knowledge, skills, uh, and or just sort of assistance. If you if you here are producing items of power, um, items of finery, then they may be interested in this. The stakes are obviously quite high. What we are being offered in return is uh, military assistance. Any assistance that you can give us uh, by bringing the power of this institution to, to bear in working with the dwarves uh, would be gratefully, gratefully received. Okay, I'm just wondering if we've triggered a move here, whether this counts as a parley. If you want. Although it's kind of nominally a parley, I think actually she doesn't have a particular reason to disagree with you. So I'm not going to trigger that. Okay. No, she's nodding as you say this. She turns to Zuramak and starts asking about what the dwarves might be interested in trading in both directions they seem to get on quite well after a while she walks over to a decanter one side of the room and pours out a brandy for anyone who wants one are you having one banbury uh no i don't like alcohol (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'll ask if i can get a fruit juice and maybe a biscuit (laughs) (laughs) she pulls us string and after a moment a very soot covered squire appears like in a great hurry is like uh, like there's a big emergency is like what is it could you fetch this young man a biscuit and some fruit juice and they vanish off and a moment later they come back with a biscuit and some fruit juice in their very sooty hands which they give to you they're mostly soot coated it's not beautiful but very generous I'll uh, wipe it on something in the room and then eat it. <laughs> it's probably some good curtains. Yeah. Um, Those pants he had earlier. Uh, while she's not looking and distracted talking to Percy as well, I might uh, palm one of those candles just so I can figure out how it works later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, Banbury, give me a 
Defy danger on dexterity. <laughs> <laughs> you have a glowing candle in your bag. Well done. You, you've managed to put a candle that is always flaming into your bag. <laughs> Successfully stolen from the church. <laughs> Banbury loots. Banbury loots. Good guy. <laughs> Okay, they actually converse for quite a long time and it looks like they are starting to hammer out some kind of deal or at least the shape of one. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you guys aren't involving yourselves that much with it? No, we'll probably take the opportunity to have a chat, to be honest, because there's stuff we need to discuss, I would have thought. I am interested in what they are actually discussing because it's in the back of my mind that... Yeah, we've kind of rocked on into the dwarves. They're a sort of empire that is untouched and, and quite different that we just exposed everyone to. We could end up just arming them. <laughs> um, and then at, at some and future point... They will find out that they got lied to right from the start and therefore humans are untrustworthy and they'll, they'll turn on yeah. their allies. So yeah. I, yeah, I'm interested in, in what we, we are doing, yes. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not interested in the very detail, just the, the gist of what they're... In general, the dwarves actually tend to use naturally occurring things. They're they're super good at growing stuff, weirdly, given that they're they're mostly resident underground. They have ways of forming rock and other natural substances into things. They don't have the kind of smith enchantment skills that the priests of Merope in particular specialize in. So a lot of what they're looking at is things like the candles almost gadgets but mildly magical so that's something they're interested in but then they get on to talking about artisan goods as a whole and obviously the preceptor marrow knows a lot of the different trades around town and so she's starting to put together lists of people that they might want to uh, meet with where they are, where they're having these discussions, particularly on the sort of enchanted items and things like that. Yeah. Then, um, if I'm going to influence it in in any way, I want to make sure that uh, we are are not offering to skill up dwarven engineers so that they can work those enchantments themselves. Uh, but there's there's systems in place so that we we can provide them things. Right. Um, yes. So we we basically retain control of the uh, of the source the, stuff. You retain control of the means of supply. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, Daddy yeah. Lenin. Um, <laughs> okay, so you're able to nudge the conversation in that way, or you know, get that message across to the preceptor, who seems not unaware of it, and in fact, uh, she's not cutting any particular bargains, so she's not giving things away, presumably because the uh, church are often making goods that are then being exchanged in one way or another and have value around the place. So their preceptor is kind of a deal maker in a way. They talk about this for a while and then she realises that she's sort of almost blanking you two. And she says, ah, forgive me, Percival and uh, Master Lutz. I have got very involved in these discussions. Is, is there anything that I can do to help you? No, no, we're, we're good, Percy. As you mentioned earlier, uh, we did pass back information to Master Arvio, um, and it would be useful if our presence here certainly wasn't shouted from the rooftops. Um, we have our, our own quests and missions that, that we're following, 
uh, and it, it doesn't help anyone, uh, including the church, if our exact whereabouts can be pinpointed. Uh, and I'm sure that you can understand the reasons why. She looks at you and she says, yes, of course, I accept that completely. Uh, no further information will be uh, passed on. If If you must be moving on, would it be a good idea for the church to host your guests and perhaps to manage their if they were amenable to manage the their delegation so you could continue traveling yeah um, that's that would be perfect um the other thing that i was, I was going to ask I mean, how long have you been present in Vale? i've been preceptor here for eight years now before that i had a stationing up in arusha I understand that the the king's palace is here. Um, yes, of course. Obviously, we are bringing in dignitaries from another nation, or at least delegate uh, delegation from what is in fact another nation. Um, what kind of involvement would the king normally expect to have in that sort of thing? The royal house doesn't tend to be so involved in these types of matter. They leave it to the merchant houses, taking a bit of a hands-off approach to regulation of uh, trade, as it were. Mm. Queen Sylvia would be the person you might speak to with Wintergreen down in the south. But as it is, I think probably there'd be no necessity beyond the formalities of uh, introducing them to the royal house, if you see what I mean, as a diplomatic rather than a commercial issue. Okay. Um, And the second part of the deal obviously involves us receiving military aid. Uh, from the dwarves, would the king have any issue with that if they were to be rooted through bed? She just looks at you and says, if Vale still stands by the time this aid arrives, <laughs> then I think the king will be very glad to have had anything yeah. he can. Okay, naturally. Um, oh, also, does the king have a daughter? The king has three daughters, as you'll know. Have you got any pictures of the royal family <laughs> that me and Percy alone can just look at? <laughs> oh, Wait, that sounds creepy. I don't have that no uh, do you know you would you would know of course of Prin- princess wintergreen who's been the king's eyes down with the southern army as we've heard that she's safe for now but are there any are there any ginger ones let's just like skip this any ginger ones <laughs> i can't honestly recall i what? haven't seen uh, i haven't seen either saffron or jasmine for many years you don't have uh, like commemorative plate that they're all on, or like a <laughs> I love the monarchy mug. Much as I feel that Wyval is a very fine king, I don't tend to uh, engage in ceremonial tat, I'm afraid. Though one year we did make some commemorative coins, we minted them. Oh, have you got any? Oh, no, that's just going to have his face right. No, never mind. All right. Um, Wintergreen. Is, is Wintergreen a, pl- a place? No, Wintergreen is uh, the eldest of the king's Wintergreen daughters. Wintergreen is one of the daughters. Uh, Wintergreen, Saffron and Jasmine are the three daughters. But when you say Wintergreen is with the southern armies, um, whereabouts exactly is she based at? Well, she was with our armies on the southern border, so okay. she, has, she was the king's eyes, effectively, with that military force, whereas Saffron and Jasmine are both abroad, as, as far as I'm aware, anyway. But as future queen, it's, impor- it's considered important that Wintergreen be uh, preparing to... Uh... It's important that she be sent to the front line. Yeah, well, uh, we, we weren't really expecting it to quite be yes, this abrupt. Yes, Okay. Um, one final thing, you you work enchantments on items. Uh, would it be yes, of course. Would it be possible to um, enchant this? <laughs> well, to, to to procure anything from you that that might aid us on our travels. 
She says, there may be something we could do. What do you consider to be your greatest dangers? Tristan. I was going to say boundary. <laughs> I guess it's something that may be very useful if we're able to specify things that would be handy uh, to, to work. We are expecting to travel by sea uh, at some point. Now, if there was something that was able, uh, that was able to assist with navigation, that would be useful. Uh, some kind of tome that uh, could assist with basic seamanship skills. <laughs> I guess that, that might be handy too. Um, or, Outboard motor. Uh, other than that, then protection from, sp- from scrying would be very, very useful. Protection from drowning might be a good one too. Yes, yes, lifeboats. <laughs> Give us a lifeboat, uh, magic just, telescope, and and a Faraday cage. You're just describing. You're just describing a ship. You're like, can I have a, <laughs> yeah, a wooden a wooden <laughs> vessel with a, a long, tall thing in the middle which could carry a sail? Yep, yeah, yeah, that's still a boat. Still talking about ships. <laughs> She says, we can certainly outfit you with a traveller's compass. Now, scrying, um, there was something in some of the communications from Corin about a sword. Mm-hmm. No, we don't know anything about that. That he thought might be subject to scrying? Yes. It's, are you the one who bears that weapon? No. Um, I'm going to look heavily at the dwarf and then look back at them. No, someone else has it. She looks at you and says... Someone else has it, do they? And like, no. <laughs> and she says, well, in that case, I should be able to see if there's any uh, radiance from uh, Percival himself here. And she nods again. <laughs> she opens a desk drawer and she pulls out an assembly of like little dowsing rods. And she starts moving them left and right and then swapping them over. And moving them again, and they seem to twist, turn in her hands and point different directions. And after a minute or two of doing this and noting down some numbers, she says, well, if you could get whoever it is does have it to pass me the basic measurements of the sword, I may be able to construct some kind of scabbard that would make it harder to find. I will write down the measurements. I presume I'm smart enough to take an educated guess. Yes, yeah, you can certainly do that. What? Wow. She says, certainly, where where will you be staying? Weatherspoons. We will be staying at the, what was it, the Iron Cross or something? You've got to remember, don't help them, Enigma. <laughs> oh, the kicking mule, something about a mule. Um, We're staying at a mule. I don't remember. I said the Iron Church, but that's here. If they don't remember, they may not find us. There's a bar that ends with mule. What's it called? I think it was the Grumpy Mule. Grumpy Grumpy Mule, there we go. Thank you, local. <laughs> uh she, yeah she says oh you mean the grumpy mule yes very very well um if if we're able to offer you something that will help with that then uh i'll i'll send it there if i can can i ask one last favor before we leave uh you don't know if the dandy is in town do you she says you know i think he might be yes. oh it'd be really good it's just before we left like <laughs> we could see him because like he's phenomenal like, yes, yes, he, he is very good, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic. He's the best bard. But, like, <laughs> just phenomenal. So, do you know where he's playing tonight? Maybe he is playing at the Grumpy Mule. Oh, but that, that is going to be fantastic. He's sometimes seen there. Oh. Just perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah.
Uzmok. <laughs> whom Jizmop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Jizmop the dwarf. And, the uh, matriarchal power Jizmop. <laughs> That's going to go down really well. Okay, you should now be able to see Northern Karis. Quick, draw a penis. <laughs> Mag, get on it. Not, not on the penis, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, switch the webcam off. You're able to follow the river through the forest. Um, <laughs> there is a river going through the forest. The river, It's a river of I'm yes, sorry, did you, yes did you not want me to draw a penis on your map? Why you are they always crafted? so accurately veiny? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to draw, like, the actual sack with crevices and mountain ranges in it? That's just a map. The, the, yeah, that, that is a map. <laughs> she turns to Oracles <clears throat> and says... Zuma. Ah, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, I got the wrong person. Damn it. There's someone else in here. Get down. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. She, 